It's pretty hard to come to terms with realizing you have a problem, let alone many of them. The kids in Dan's class are exploring the civil rights movement in conjunction with opposing forces that have different beliefs, fighting for what they believe is right, and not seeing eye to eye. This aspect of teaching can be presented in Dan and Dre's life. They are both trying to find some sort of balance, trying to find people to rely on in a sense, to feel loved or at least heard. But just because someone is giving you their attention doesn't mean it's for the best. And just because someone has an opinion on something doesn't mean that they are right. From someone on the outside that only knows the basics of a person doesn't mean it's the full picture. And here, with Dan and Dre, teacher and student, the opposing forces of who they are supposed to be blur to become just simply who they are. And they are more than what we can see from a distance. This is two takes, and this is one shot. An analysis of Half Nelson. Spoilers are ahead. Habitual ways of coping seem to happen a lot for Dan. It's like a cycle of trying to find the quiet motivation to get himself up and out, to clean his apartment and start anew. And within the film, of perhaps following him around for a week or more, these cycles come and go, melding them together until the actions and the days become blurred. And the days of maintaining a sense of normalcy blend with the nights of being at the bar, being with random women, doing drugs and talking about his own self-worth. Almost like he's trying to convince anyone listening, even himself, that his actions, his words, his life, has meaning beyond this reliance of drugs. We only see a small slither of his life, but it can be assumed that this is somewhat a routine for Dan. But then we realise that knowing this one thing about Dan doesn't make us know him. It's a lot to offer, a lot more to understand, and hence, this is why he's the protagonist. What Dan is teaching in his history class can evidently be learned in real life in so many ways. The civil rights movement is essentially about the injustice of the system, wherein many things were not given to people, and protests were created to have their voices heard about the unfairness of various practices. The loyalty of the system, whether that be from an educational, political, or even an emotional standpoint, can be shattered. Why believe in a system that takes away your rights and your voice? Why believe in something that takes away your freedom to something else? What is this machine that he's talking about? It's keeping us down, what is it? Like robots and stuff, right? Um, it could be robots. It could be robots, but I, let's say it's a metaphor. He's saying this machine is keeping me down. Now, what is that? What keeps us from being free? Miss Dre. Prisons. Absolutely. Absolutely prisons. Okay? Prisons are definitely a part of it. What else? White. White is definitely a part of it. The man. The school. The school. Exactly. The whole the whole education system is part of the machine. What else? Aren't you the machine then? Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> What'd you say? Aren't you the machine? You saying I'm the machine? Yeah, you white part of the school. Oh yeah, I guess you got the point. <laughs> Alright, so I'm part of the machine, but if I'm part of it, so are you. You are too. We all are. And this is the thing. Remember? Everything is made of its opposing force. We may be opposed to the machine, but we're still very much a part of it, right? 
I work for the government, the school, but I'm also very much opposed to a lot of its policies. You guys hate coming to school, right? Yes. Holla back if you heard me. <laughs> you hate it, but you come anyway. In a less harrowing way, this can be seen through Dan, but also through Dre. She's introduced to us as another student in his class, and then we realise she goes home alone, with her overworked mother working doubles, whilst her father is constantly absent. Her brother is in jail, and her uncle is a drug dealer that has Dre's brother's loyalty in keeping quiet, which he does. There's a promise talked about where Frank is supposed to help the family, and yes, he is approachable, witty, kind and open, but then we realise, once the drugs are introduced, subtly at first, we find Dre spooning drugs in little bags and eventually knocking on doors to get the money for them. Frank essentially uses her, smothering that under the aspect of family and loyalty and commitment. And for Dre, it takes her a while to realise who is essentially on her side, whether or not Dan works for the system. But we all know Dre needs to find her voice. In the end, she does. Her freedom lies in her remembering that she doesn't owe anyone anything. She has the right to make her own choices and not end up like her brother. And the same for Dan. He works for the system, but that doesn't mean he is part of it. That doesn't mean he believes in all of his policies. A job is a job, after all. And him trying to inspire his students his way by using this ideology of opposing forces is a good starting point. Dan is a good teacher, no denying it. But from the various interactions with the other teachers and even the headmistress, he looks and almost acts like a quiet student trying to look cool. And for me, it's not about his look or what he does or doesn't say, it's the fact that he is being himself, even in this sort of career. He has the freedom of expression, even if he is frowned upon by the faculty, but seen as someone on the same side as the students. He still has a voice and tries to use it to the best of his ability, even with all of the obstacles that come with it. So both Dre, figuring out her voice, and Dan, having a voice and failing to use it, find a middling ground in their interactions with each other, finding freedom in just being themselves around each other. There seems to be some major catalysts within Dan's life that we are lucky enough to follow that show a spiral of drug taking. His ex-girlfriend Rachel turning up, showing she is better off drugs and even getting married, he has some leftover feelings for her, but essentially it's the idea of her, the life of loving someone else that he truly misses. The desolation of loneliness can perhaps be stifling, but he is alone. We see that before she shows up, and so, in desperation to find something else, he does drugs at school and Dre finds him, and the secret is born. The next, in no particular order, is a family dinner and his cat dying. The family dinner always shows Dan's disassociation with his brother because his brother is shown to be the capable child that is going places with someone he loves. His father is judgmental, expressing his disappointment and trying to place it as a joke, then apologising, assuming that it was his fault. And Dan's mother, oh, the most heartbreaking of all, she wants to keep it all in a happy little bubble, essentially not wanting to listen to Dan when Dan wants to open up about what is wrong. She wants the illusion of a good life to be real, and ignorance is bliss if you want it to be. So Dan shows attachment and finds it hard to open up, which is understandable. The cat that Dan has is seen in some shots, presenting a person who is capable of taking care of someone besides himself. Dan's love is reciprocated by this cat, 
and he is not alone. However, after a while, very suddenly in the storyline, when we have almost forgotten about the cat in general, we are shown that the cat is dead. Dad forgot about them, and this is the indicator that Dad is now alone, incapable and lonely. This, as well as other things, might have stimulated the next course of events, which was with the female teacher Isabel. From what looks like a nice date, becomes a one-night stand, and then later on, Dan goes back to Isabel's unannounced and intoxicated, which leads to him essentially losing his job. From feeling wanted and listened to, Dan can be a charming guy, funny and understanding. However, after a night of passion, in the harsh light of day, he can be standoffish, cold, but still quiet in his contemplation. It might sound and look like he just took what he wanted and waited for Isabel to leave, but I think there is more to it than that. Dan might have felt some connection, but like all of the other brief encounters we've seen him have, it was only temporary. It seems something more than that is difficult to find and keep. Isabel is open-minded and open-hearted, but because Dan isn't used to this level of commitment from another person, he couldn't possibly accept it for himself. What's saddening is that in moments when we see him alone, we can understand that he is in desperate need for a connection. And after many things happening around him, Dan finally, in a drunken state, decides that what Isabel was giving him, he wants more of. Not because he thinks he is worthy of that kind of love, but because he needs it. And you know the rest. Isabel had to run to a room and lock the door whilst hitting Dan in the face to get away from his advances. Then Dan was called in the headmistress's office. The next time we see him, Dre is sending him drugs in a motel room. And in that moment, from the exchanging money for drugs, there was a look that says it all. Dre and Dan are stuck, and this is the beginning of the spiral. This moment is the tipping scale, and both cannot judge the other, knowing that their freedom is stifled by what is, for Dre, expected of them through doity, and for Dan, repressed through bad habits, bad choices, and loneliness. It's a whole different ball game when you receive or take drugs from people you don't know about, who don't care about you. There is a moment which might have been overlooked. What with all of the talk that Dan has been doing about his job, the way of life to people who are not listening. How he really cares about the kids and how they keep them focused and how, overall, if he can make a difference to at least one person's life, then it's all worth it. When a father in the same bar as him remarks how his daughter is now in university doing history because Dan was such a great teacher, Dan, in his drunken state, tries to remember the student in general, with the overall compliment that he was striving for going over his head. And all I can say is this, perhaps not being there to follow the journey of a student from the start to finish makes it even harder to understand what sort of impact you, the teacher, has done to those students when they leave your classroom and your care. With Dre, it's there and it's happening. And Dan can see that he might not be the best influence, but his inclination to get involved and ask Frank to essentially stay away from Dre marks the beginning of something. Dre sees him as a friend, and in the end, for everything, they are. The term Half Nelson is actually a wrestling hold in which one arm is passed under an opponent's arm from behind the back of the neck. Quite a hold, making the person under it become stuck. And I guess we could say the same for Dan and Dre, dwelling on things in the past that affects their present, to linger in a state of living that doesn't move you backwards or forwards, with you just hoping things stay the same. 
but then realise that they are stuck, and it's only through understanding that one thing doesn't make them who they are, but has both Dan and Dre opening up to other possibilities, like a friendship. Like the ending scene of them sitting on two separate ends of the sofa, they are indeed two separate driving and opposing forces in many ways, but these forces can also help each other become balanced by maintaining a sense of self in a world that might attract the wrong things and repel the rest, with the freedom to just be themselves. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed what was said, then please support the show from my Patreon. And if you want to know what's happening next, follow my Instagram. To know my day-to-day thoughts, follow my Twitter. And if you want to read what was said instead, then follow my blog, linked elsewhere. With your support, I can only make this better, so again, thank you from the bottom of my heart.